Well, obviously, this is the Christmas season, and I am sharing with you a whole new series of Christmas messages, the four Sundays in December. We started last week. I'll do the second message today. And if you have a Bible with you, I'd like you to turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I like to say from time to time that if you're here this morning and you're visiting or you're watching by live stream and you don't have a Bible, um, if you're here this morning, um, there are Bibles under the seats in front of you. If uh, you don't have one with you and you are welcome to take that Bible with you, it's our gift to you. So if you don't have a Bible, Take one of those Bibles and take it home with you. We'd love for you to have it. And if you don't know how to use a Bible, that's okay. I'll refer to the scriptures uh, that I'll be using. Some of them, most of them will be on the screen, so you don't have to worry. We're just glad that you're joining with us. This morning, as I mentioned, we're looking at a familiar story, but one we're going to go back over again from a slightly different angle, and it is Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, our first point this morning is great hope and joy. As a church, this Christmas season, we are focusing on being a people of great hope and joy as we serve our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what I began with last week and want to continue on with throughout this month. I shared with you that it is time. It is time for us to move forward as individuals and to move forward as a church. It is time for us as the people of God to stop being discouraged and angry. Our church and churches all around our nation went through a very, very difficult two plus years with the COVID pandemic. Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, strongly disagreeing on the pandemic and how it should be handled in church settings. Friendships were damaged. 
Relationships were ruptured. And folks, it is time. It is time for us to put all of that behind us and move forward with great hope and joy. Our nation right now is politically toxic. It is divided. Political pundits say on a regular basis that it's been many years since they have seen our nation as polarized and divided as it is right now. It's everywhere. And it is time for us as the people of God to rise above that and to move forward with great hope and joy. And I also shared with you, excuse me, <clears throat> that God is on the move all over the world right now. Right now as we move, or excuse me, as we meet together, God is on the move all around the world accomplishing his sovereign plans and purposes. We may not always see them, but we know that God is the one who is moving behind the scenes. He is always moving forward. And we specifically looked last week that everything in history, everything in history is moving gloriously toward the time when the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, will set up his kingdom and rule and reign forever and ever. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says of the child to be born to her that he will sit on David's throne forever and that of his kingdom there will be no end. We are looking forward to a day when Jesus is going to visibly, physically set up his kingdom and that will give way to the new heavens and the new earth and we are going to be in that kingdom. Everything will be made right. Jesus will be the perfect ruler and there will be perfect justice. And we are to look forward to that. We are to anticipate that. Everything, everything all around the world in all of history is moving toward that event when he destroys his enemies, sets up his kingdoms, and we rule and reign with him. And every Christian man and every Christian woman has to decide before God. Are they going to focus on this world and be discouraged and angry? Or are they going to focus on the victorious, triumphant kingdom to come? That was last week. This morning, I want to share this. In the world we live in, there is a yearning for more than the things this world has to offer. Within the human heart, there is a yearning for more than what we see on this earth. I believe that every person at one time or another, and some of you maybe many times, as you go through the routine of this life, as you get up every morning and go through basically the same things day in and day out, you are haunted with that thought, there has to be more than this. There has to be more than this. Is this all there is? And I believe people all over the world are struggling with that. I believe that God has created us to know him and to walk with him. And that there is something in us 
that wants to know our Creator. I believe that yearning is in the human heart. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, God has placed eternity in our hearts. There is something within all of us that longs for something beyond this, that longs for our Creator. Now, I want to say this. I believe one of the most important sections in all of the New Testament to, under, to understanding the theology, doctrine, and teaching of the New Testament, one of the most important sections is Romans chapter 1 and verses 18 through 32. And in that section, it says that what can be, what can be known about God has been made known to us. What can be known about God has been made known to us, for God has made it known to us. But we in unrighteousness suppress the truth. God has made known to us about himself. He has made it known to us in creation. But in Romans 1, it says we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So all over the world, men and women are suppressing the truth. They are rejecting the truth. But nonetheless, it is there. It is there. I believe that we yearn for a God who has broken through into our world. I think of that famous saying from Augustine where he says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. That is so true. And I love that word restless. I think it defines our culture, it defines the world we live in. People are restless. They're looking for something more, and they're looking in all the wrong places. And they try all kinds of self-gratification, and all it does is leave them more and more empty and more and more meaningless. And when we look for God, we know it's not enough. It's not enough for us that God is up there or he's out there somewhere. And that's how people tend to describe God. Well, I think he's up there or I think he's out there somewhere. And they kind of look at the galaxies and if there is a God, he must be out there somewhere. That's not enough for us. It's not enough for our souls. I want to know. I want to know that God has come down where I am. I want to know that God knows where I live. I want to know that God knows my name. I want to know that God cares about me. I want to know that God has walked this lonesome valley in the same way that I do on this earth. I want to know that I'm not alone. I believe people everywhere want to know that they're not alone in this universe, but often they feel like that. Even in the midst of a big crowd, 
they feel like they're all alone. All the prophets, all the Old Testament prophets spoke of this universal yearning in the human heart. Joel spoke of it. So did Malachi and Hosea and Jeremiah and Daniel and Zechariah. But perhaps no one spoke more clearly about this yearning than did the prophet Isaiah. 700 years before the birth of Christ, during the reign of King Ahaz, Isaiah predicted the birth of one who would be God, coming to dwell with men. In Isaiah 7:14, he predicted an absolutely stunning event. A virgin would conceive something that had never happened before that and has never happened since. And a virgin is going to give birth to a male child, to a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. In Isaiah 7:14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The day is coming. The time is coming when a virgin is going to give birth. She's going to give birth to a son. His very name means God is with us. And that's our second point this morning, God with us. One of the greatest truths of the Christian faith is that God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. One of the great truths of our faith is that God, God himself came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. I like what one writer said. We tend to say God sent his son into the world, which is true. But it's even more accurate to say God came to us in his son. God came because Jesus Christ is fully God. Jesus. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God with us. And this goes along perfectly with the Gospel of John, which we just finished after two years. Two weeks ago, we finished up the Gospel of John. And this goes along perfectly with, us, with it, showing us the wonderful harmony and unity of the Bible. Especially in John chapters 14 through 16, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go away. And where I am going, you cannot come now. But I am going to send you the helper. I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he is going to come and dwell in you. He is going to live in you. And I will live in you always by means of the helper, the Holy Spirit. Something better than my physical presence is going to come. Right now I can only be physically with you in one place, but the day is coming when I will send the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will indwell every person at the time they believe in Christ, at the time of their conversion, at the time that they are born again. He will come to indwell them permanently 
and I will live in you forever by means of the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always, all the time, wherever you go and whatever you do. In verse 18 of our passage this morning, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, before they had sexual relations, she was found to be with, or excuse me, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. She was going to have a child, the seed of a child placed in her. And that child would be from the Holy Spirit. This would be of God. Verse 19, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Some translations say he is a righteous man. And looking with human eyes, and understandably so, he just assumed that Mary must have had relations with another man, and so he made plans to divorce her quietly. But then verse 20. But as he considered these things, as he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. I want you to take Mary as your wife, because the child in her is from the Holy Spirit, Joseph. Joseph, God is on the move, accomplishing his sovereign purposes and plans for this world. The Messiah is about to come. The Savior of the world is about to come. And he is going to come through Mary. We think of Luke chapter 1, after the announcement of the child that he will sit on David's throne, that he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and that of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary responds, how can this be since I am a virgin? And Gabriel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 21, the angel says to Joseph, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, the savior of the world, is coming. He will come to save his people, not from the Roman government, but from themselves. He will come to save them from their enslavement to their own sins. 
to their greatest enslavement, their enslavement to sin and death. He will come as a savior. He will come to save them. So give him the name. Give him the name Jesus. And then, especially for this morning, verses 22 and 23, all this took place. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, by Isaiah the prophet, and Matthew quotes directly from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This child to be born in Bethlehem is God with us. And then in verses 24 and 25, it says, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Now that's a sermon in itself. It's a whole separate sermon, but a beautiful thought. Joseph obeyed the angel of the Lord in every detail. He married Mary. He didn't have relations with her until after she had given birth to a son, and Joseph gave him the exact name the angel told him to give. They called the boy Jesus. And there's a lesson, a powerful lesson. Again, could be a whole sermon. Joseph did not understand everything, but he obeyed anyway because he believed God and he trusted God. Folks, that is so true with us. There are things in Scripture that we don't understand fully, that our finite human minds can't fully comprehend, but we obey anyway because we believe God and we trust God and we know that his word, the Bible, is trustworthy. But again, it is verses 22 and 23 that I really want us to focus on this morning as we think about moving forward with great hope and great joy. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I want you to know this morning that no matter what happens in this world or in your life, God promises to always be with you. I want you to find great encouragement, great hope, great joy, great comfort in the fact that no matter what you do, no matter where you go, God is always with you. We learned in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos, the Word of God, became flesh. Jesus Christ and dwelt among us. It's a fascinating story about John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, that in 1791 he was lying on his deathbed they thought he was, and he was, very near death. But somehow, some way, he rose from his 
or was roused from his sleep and just blurted out, the best of all, the best of all is God is with us. And then it says he laid down, closed his eyes, and died. And he was right. The best, the best of all is that God is with us. And I want us to find great comfort in that this Christmas season. And I know in a time like this, in a season like this, as important as it is and as festive as it is, that some of you, if not many of you, this is a difficult time. I know there are probably people sitting right here today and you've lost a loved one either this year or in the past couple of years. And there's just something about Christmas, just something about the Christmas season that just magnifies the fact that they're not here. And it's hard for you. It may be that there are some here today and you're just lonely. You're sitting in this auditorium, you're watching by live stream, and you're just lonely. Maybe you're a single adult. Maybe you're an older person and your spouse has passed away and you live alone and you feel alone. You just feel all alone, especially, especially during the Christmas season. I know it's possible that there are some people here right now and you're going through some kind of physical illness and we don't even know about it. And you're going through a type of suffering. Maybe it's mental or emotional. But this is a struggle for you. And Christmas makes it even harder. And I think it's very possible that there are some of you here and maybe you're experiencing bitterness. Something has happened this year. And your bitterness is magnified during the Christmas season. I just want you to know God knows. And he is right there with you. God knows. And he is right there with you. Take comfort. God's answer to what you're going through is not a theory. It's not an abstract concept. It's not some book in the bookstore that you need to go and read. It's not some seminar that you need to attend. It's not getting a better job. It's not finding more friends. It's not watching just the right Christmas movie this time of year or singing the right Christmas song because it's going to break us out of our doldrums. And please understand, those things can be wonderful and they can be helpful. But God's answer is found in a person. It's found in Jesus Christ. It's found in Emmanuel. It's found in God with us. Do you know what the Bible says about Emmanuel? It says he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know what the Bible says about Emmanuel? It says he promises to never leave us or forsake us. The answer is a personal, saving relationship with Jesus. To receive his eternal gift of salvation and then to know and believe every single day that he is always with you because he promises to be. I don't care if you feel it or don't feel it. He is there. He is there.
Behold, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So let's move forward as individuals and as a church with great hope and great joy. Rejoice this morning. God is with us. We're going to close with a song in just a few minutes that isn't a Christmas song. But it's one that I think captures perfectly this particular passage of Scripture. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. As a congregation, we thank you that you are always with us. We thank you for Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Help us, oh Lord, help us. Help us to find great joy and hope in the biblical truth that we are never alone. God, God is always with us. In Jesus' name, amen.